You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 137. We hope that you listen to all 136 other ones. If not, right go back and start this again. One. Yeah. There's going to be a test. There might be at some point. <laughs> This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia, movies, and music. My name is Jimmy, and I am joined by an enigmatic turtle. Hey! Uh, How you doing? Drake is not here, nor is Mitch McConnell. And a shogun named Marcus. This week, we are going to talk about The Five Bloods, the new Spike Lee joint on Netflix, Artemis Fart, and Gargoyles, the movie from the made-for-television film from 1972. That's uh, Artemis Fowl. Whatever, they smell the same. Wow. (laughs) He didn't even watch it. And he is... He's punchy. Anyway, this... Happens to be a review show. What we it do is we, sure watch, is we watch things, we read things, we listen to things, and then we tell you if we think you should do it too. Uh, although we don't hold you to that, because there are movies that we watched recently that we, in fact, last week. But there will I be said, a test later. That I said, we're, we're completely, all three of us said, this movie is terrible. This movie is terrible. Don't and, watch it. And it was not good, and it's hilariously bad and i've had multiple people contact me and say they're gonna watch it because of what our review i mean okay we said not to so it's not our fault you do you boo you do you this this milk smells terrible smell it no no misery loves company yeah so definitely do not watch night riders no actually you don't watch night riders yeah, you know what? I'm tired of warning you people. You should just do it. Watch yeah. it. Don't Get it over with. Blame us. So anyway, we do reviews. We might spoil stuff along the way. Oh, we will. And there will be spoilers. You can't be angry at us, especially if you watch freaking Night Riders and then you're like, oh man, that movie was terrible. Yeah, we told you. That's okay. exactly what we said it was going to be. Yeah. So Not don't be angry at curiosity. Yeah, just don't. Yeah. Unless you can find the 17-hour version of it, at which point it might be a good way to pass time while you're stuck at home doing nothing. But anyway. We'll pay you to watch that. Yeah, and then you can be on the podcast and review it. Okay, so that's all I have to say here about spoilers. Uh, News. News. What's What's going on? Yes, sir. I have a couple of items uh, for your um, entertainment. Uh, Some of them very entertaining. Very excited. Entertain me. Yes, I'm going to. Rob, well, you didn't read My Best Friend's Exorcism. I did not. But you thought it, it sounded cool. Mm-hmm. And, you and sure it inspired you to have us watch a movie, Deadly Friend. Which was more enjoyable than Night Riders. It sure was. Well. Screw you, Greg. The novel horror store 
by the author of My Best Friend's Exorcism, Grady Hendrix, has been optioned for a film. Nice. Oh. Now, Horror Store is a story that takes place inside of a, uh, quote, Ikea type of store. Yeah, it's like a, the... a haunted Ikea. It's Horror Store without an E at the end, so they do the Ikea branding and name type yeah. conventions, which is actually pretty funny. Um, set in the Orsk Furniture Superstore in Cleveland, Ohio, where every morning employees arrive to find broken, jarring bookshelves, shattered, and glons <laughs> water goblets, <laughs> and smashed Lirapip wardrobes. Um... Sales are down. Security cameras reveal nothing, and store managers are panicking. So this uh, is uh, a book that I need to read. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. I once I finish his uh, uh, current book, the Southern Book Club uh, Vampire Hunter thing. I forget what it's called. But once I finish that, I might have to move on to horror store. Speaking of haunted, you guys might hear uh, the sound of voices. Echoing through my house. Those are absolutely not children. Yeah, my house is uh, built on the... Disembodied voices. Yeah, it's built uh, on the former location of a... uh, uh, What is it called? We'll say a... a, burial ground. No, I don't want to go there. I I think I'm going to go with uh, a child's daycare. And the ghosts of of their happy times are echoing through the hallways. Or my child has a friend over while I'm recording. But you might learn that later when we actually review the children's movie Artemis Fowl. Yes. But uh, I did see this thing about Horror Store. I am excited. I'm going to have to read that soon. Yeah, I had no idea that it was originally picked up as a series, uh, which could work as well, but hopefully um, this is a popular film. It's well-received, and we see a film adaptation of My Best Friend's Exorcism as well. Of course, that's always speculation. God, that movie would be so much fun to cast. (laughs) <laughs> so snap decisions no. yeah right now what, what, what does ethan have to say about snap decisions uh he is as even though it sounds like he's right in the next room or literally right next to the microphone he is downstairs just and i'm i'm now well aware of why my child always gets sent home with little letters saying he's really good in school but he gets too loud when he's excited you should give now him I, a ouija board <laughs> that's no <laughs> I have one more news item. Speaking of hypotheticals, Mr. Stephen King broke the horror internet recently with a tweet. Is that, is that because of our review of him in Night Riders? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he angrily tweeted about us. He's like, these sons of bitches. I was on all of the cocaine. You try to act when I you've taken that I don't remember anything. Cocaine. No, Stephen King tweeted... Uh, just a few days ago, quote, the best novel idea I never wrote, parentheses, and probably never will, here's hoping, uh, is I, Jason, the first person narrative of Jason Voorhees and his hellish fate. Killed over and over again at Camp Crystal Lake, what a hellish existential fate. Now, the article does point out by some keen observers that uh, Jason Voorhees actually only died once 
It was the very end of Friday the 13th, the final chapter from 1984 before he was resurrected in part six. Jason lives in 1986. Uh, however, I think Stephen King's pretty good at writing stuff. So he I've could find that. a way. I, I mean, yeah, I've read a couple of his books. He's okay. Um, but I, what a, what a way to uh, breathe new life into the franchise not that our good friend Vin DeSanti has not, but this would be a very cool take on it that we do see uh, a little bit of Jason's story in a couple of the films. This would be a very cool and uh, very extendable take on it. So here's hoping that Stephen King actually does write that book. I want and, to take this. Oh, sorry. Good. I was going to say if if anybody can uh, help sort that out, maybe Stephen King can. The, He's uh, coming to be like, here's a billion dollars. Shut up. Let me make this movie. Yeah. Now we have famously been very critical of remakes, reboots, all of those things. And I think the places where we haven't been as critical is when there is an actual reason. To do that, like when they're re when they're remaking or rebooting something just because we need a live action version of it or something along those or lines. Creepy disembodied child laughter in the background. Yeah, I got to call an exorcist. Um, when it's been something like that, we've had a problem with it. When it's been something like, let's make this movie with better technology, we've had slightly less of a problem. Oh my God, mm -hmm. children. We've, but it also has missed the mark. Like the remake of RoboCop was significantly worse than original RoboCop. The remake of Total Recall significantly worse than the original. So, but it had better technology and better. But graphics. the remake of Dread was far better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so good. And that's because it. That's because the remake of Dread actually held to the original content better than the, the I'll say the pop version, the top forty esque version of it. I am the law. I am the law. Damn it, yeah, exactly. Right. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now I think another way that I am all on board with continuing a franchise or rebooting or doing something like that is when you can find a different perspective, just like the Stephen King thing. And I love that, you know, being able to see it through his eyes and add that aspect of it. Like, I'm trying to think of other things that have done that, like Wicked did it. You know, just seeing yeah. things fr from a different perspective changes things. And even... You know, I was I was thinking about this earlier today when I was looking at the notes. Um, you know, there are, oh yeah, the, uh, you know, you can remake a movie but change the setting, and it, like, the thing was technically a remade as the Hateful Eight, right? Is that the the Western movie with with uh, that Quentin Tarantino did? I think that's what it's called, but. You know, it was technically a remake of the thing with the same general idea of people and not knowing who to trust. And, you know, it was all based on that. That's uh, the screaming children have broken my brain. Sorry. <laughs> based on <laughs> yes. that premise. Yeah, based on that premise, but, based uh, on, on suspicion yeah, of others. Different take on it. Sure. Yeah. And that's that's been very prevalent in horror. Now, like I was saying... Um, Vin DeSanti of, of Never Hike Alone, there's a music video for uh, a song called Disappear 
featuring uh, from the perspective of Jason Voorhees. And he actually had some very interesting um, comments as to why Jason is the way he is and why he's doing what he was doing. But uh, to have Stephen King himself um, extend upon that idea would be absolutely fantastic. So, uh, Mr. King, if you're listening, um, please. <laughs> I don't that would think be you don't know. True, true. Okay, but that's what that was very cool. Rob, do you have any news, sir? I think you do. No, not really. Um, I mean, other than uh, stores, um, we we did travel out to Disney Springs today. Uh, they've got more stores open. More Disney is opening up. Uh, restaurants are more and more restaurants are opening up. Homecoming officially is open. We went and had lunch there today. God, their food is so good. Um, stuff is slowly beginning to open back up. I do believe um, Disney's getting ready to open up next month. Um, reservation only. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk that you know we might end up closing back down. I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I honestly don't think the economy can handle closing down again. But. You know, I mean, the the whole close down anyway was more about slowing the spread than stopping it. It really wasn't about stopping it. So the the fact that we have an increase in cases isn't a surprise. Yeah, that's yep. true. If you jackasses would wear masks when you go out, not going to actually, if you would just keep, yeah, well, masks, but you know, wash your hands and don't stand on top of people, and you know, try and stay a little bit apart and. Don't rub your yeah. eyes or pick Try. your nose. Please. Keep your fingers out of your nose. You can yeah. pick your friend's nose, right, Rob? That's no. Yeah. You can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but don't you can't pick your friend's nose. And you can't even pick your own nose now. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Well, you can do it, but yeah, not recommended. Yeah, my happy ass is staying home for a while. Doctor's orders. But you know, people in Florida can't stop from doing stupid shit. So no, they sure can. Oh, and that's an absolutely fantastic segue to an absolutely ridiculous story. Oh, my God. WTF, Jimmy. What the? F- uh, that's what the story is going to make you say. In our segment, WTF, welcome to Florida. Mr. Travis Spitzer. Guys, do you know who this is? I no, of that. course you don't. Probably some sort of Floridian, so. right? He is a Floridian. Uh, Mr. Travis Spitzer is the Florida man who was bitten in the face by an alligator while playing disc golf. <laughs> now, at the, mo- at the moment, I feel more bad for him. He's than, okay. He's like, very much w- okay. Was he, like, tormenting the alligator? No. But uh, Mr. Spitzer is what you would refer to as a squid. A this, squid. Uh, this coming from Frisbee golf player Rob Fitzgerald. Or Fitzgerald. Oh, uh, Rob Fitzgerald. I, I have one of his disc golf baseball cards. Or, sorry, disc golf cards. Not worth yeah, very much. Careful. Yeah. Uh, he said in an interview with a local news station... Quote, the guys who do that are called, quote, within a quote, squids. They do that and turn them in for money. So uh, the Frisbee 
discs, probably offending a lot of people by saying that. Um, cost around $18 each. And Ooh. people will typically charge about 3 bucks to go into the water and retrieve the discs. They'll turn them for profit. That's exactly what Travis Spitzer was doing at 5 o'clock in the fucking morning. I when do not he was get up for a lot. By a gator. Uh, he was grabbed by his face and forcing him to fight for his life. He was able to uh, free himself and he is going to make a full recovery. Man. I, I, I'm, I'm, here's my visual image of some dude wearing like an intramural disc golf t shirt. Mm-hmm. Like one of the gray ones where you can like write full your name. Full waiters on. Yeah, like, fu- like, yeah, full waiters going into a lake at like some golf course somewhere and getting attacked by uh, the alligator and smacking the alligator in the side of the head with the other discs that he has already retrieved, like repeatedly yeah. as he screams. Because no. he was using them as paddles while he swam. <laughs> yeah. Where he had one in each hand and then the gator bit his face and he's like mashing them into its eyes. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm picturing there. Um, yeah. He did. He did survive. He's okay. So I'm, we can make fun He's of him. Fine. I I believe uh, his injuries were minor. Um, I would not be relaying this story to you if they weren't. He's going to go to the disc golf pub after this and recount stories of his bravery to the one girl there that actually feels like listening to stories about disc golf. Like, oh, great. You almost died from Can an alligator. Did I ever tell you about the time I had a gator almost bite my face off? <laughs> there I was, frisbee in hand. It was the middle of the night. <laughs> and I could see his eyes come across the water. <laughs> I was out there picking up them discs. God, I hope you And really I was thinking, oh, that. God, this could be it. We are offending every disc golf listener that we have. All... None of them, maybe. Okay, thank Sorry, you, Jimmy. They can't be very strong. Yeah. Oh, the disc golf people. I've offended them even more. Well, yeah. Mr. Well, I'm sure will be okay. I'm sure uh, there's some sort of GoFundMe out there, so uh, go out there and buy the guy a new frisbee. Just, I mean, 3D print them. I don't know. It doesn't even make sense to call them a squid. Squids don't collect frisbees. <laughs> That's the problem you had with that story? <laughs> I have a lot Maybe of problems with everything. reality, Greg. The oh. more I drink my magical coffee, the more anger and problems I'm going to have with everything. Wow. Speaking uh, of anger and problems with things. Yeah. Are we going to talk about our first movie? I maybe we should maybe we should kind of segue. Yeah, let's do it. Another Man. segue, Rob. You, Rob, you are the king of segues. See if you can do this again. Yeah, let's uh, go. we are going to well, actually, Rob. You announce this movie because I'll announce the next one. Because I'm not allowing you to watch the next movie. Okay. So, our first movie for the night was a movie that was released on Disney Plus on June 12th of 2020. My mom's birthday, by the way. June 12th of 2020. Uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh. It stars Ferdia Shaw, Colin Farrell, Josh Gad, Laura McDonald, Judy Dench. The movie is called Artemis Fowl. And the synopsis is, and see, maybe I would have understood more if I'd have read the friggin' synopsis. Artemis Fowl, a young criminal prodigy, hunts down a secret society of fairies fairies (laughs) to find his missing father. 
So, yeah, I completely missed the whole thing that this kid was a criminal. And okay. I didn't find out about that until the end when he's like, I'm our criminal mastermind. And I'm like, wait, what? I think that they left that out too. Because I knew it, but only because of the trailer that I had seen three months before. Where they, it, tre- where they treat the movie not like it's a fantasy movie, but they treat it like it's a criminal heist movie. And then they switch halfway through the trailer caper. to show that it's that it's like a, a caper movie. Like they, sh- they switch it to show that it's like a fantasy movie. And then at the end, when they talk about the criminal thing, I was like, oh, okay, this was that trailer. And I was when you like, see like six trailers in a row, you kind of get confused. But but the whole the whole thing was like the movie makes a little bit less sense because he's what his father's what a criminal with like a heart of gold because he was helping out that that uh, fairy guy finding you know doing doing hunting down evil fairies and shit. I'm like. No, Why would I, a criminal I, mastermind do that? That doesn't make any sense. I think what he was is he was a criminal that was known for breaking into like museums and things like that. So like st- a cat burglar? Yeah, to like yeah, and, and boy did Colin Farrell look good in that skin tight cat suit slithering oh, around please. slithering around those la- those lasers. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and say it, Jimmy. You could you could tell his religion. Yeah, so, Go ahead and tell it, Jimmy. Say it, Jimmy. Every time we mention Colin Farrell. Just I want to take a shower. Yeah, it's just but, grimy. <laughs> he doesn't look grimy in this, but I think that he was stealing all of that stuff so that the power, quote unquote, did not fall into the wrong hands type situation. But he couldn't tell these museums that he was breaking in there to keep it away from people. I think that was kind of the thing that was not told very well in the movie. You mean that wasn't told at all? Because <laughs> I was like, I was just shocked at the. I was like. Wait, what? Cr- criminal? Matt, that why is he protecting anything then? I don't understand. Why is he not selling stuff? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because he keeps it in his house and this cool thing. So, uh, I guess initial thoughts. That was kind of yours that you didn't really know what was going on. Uh, mine was, it was. Uh, it, I'm kind of jumping to the end here, but they need, really need to stop making movies for the sequel. Because the most interesting character in this whole movie doesn't actually do anything, I thought. The the villain type creature. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you see, I believe it's a her, but you see her on the phone a couple times and, I guess, does some stuff, but... You don't even know how she got the dad! Yeah, like, she kidnapped the father, I guess? And... But we don't know how! We just yeah. know that he's in her custody. And yep. they're like, we have to find him. And I'm like, wait, what? How did we get here? It's like they drop you in right in the middle, explain nothing before it happens, mm-hmm. and then don't really explain anything afterwards either. They're like, okay, let's go do the next movie. Yeah, and and when it would be, and it's I believe a little shorter than it should be. But well, there's a couple things going on here. Number one, uh, this movie has been in uh, cre- uh, creation hell for about 20 years. I can see uh, why. If this was what they brought every time, I can't be Which, in production since 2001, uh, they actually wrapped filming three years ago. Uh, It had been, I believe, something happened with uh, Harvey Weinstein was, I guess, part of this somehow. So it got caught up in that situation. Uh, Rapist, son of a bitch. Uh, Got caught up in that situation. And then it got caught up in the Disney-Fox merger. So Disney, and then of course it got caught up again 
in this COVID thing because it was supposed to go to theaters, but they released it uh, on Disney Plus instead. So there's a lot of things that happened, but I do I do think that there was definitely some issues like story wise where they expected you to know more about the source material than anyone our age is going to know. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't, I watched the movie, you watched the movie. There were things I learned while doing notes for this episode. That you didn't even get in the movie. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I, I, I felt that overall, I mean, I liked the portrayal of several of the characters, even mm-hmm. if Artemis Fowl wasn't the best actor in the movie. Um, I mean, I guess he's a kid, you know, you kind of, you kind of forgive that a little bit. Um, Colin Farrell wasn't bad. Josh Gad wasn't bad. I it took me a while to figure out that was Josh Gad. Yeah. Well, I didn't recognize him at first either. At first I was like, that looks a little bit like Jack Black. Cause he's like, it's like, it's Josh Gad. If Josh Gad was, was playing Hagrid basically. Yeah, basically. And, and it was, I mean, the, the, the portrayals weren't bad. I just think the story was really weak. Um, they they didn't really thread everything together all that well. Um, just special effects were great. Yeah, the I thought the ogre looked good. I thought the 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 time freezing thing was cool. But all I did. In all, yeah. I did. I liked the style of the movie a lot. Like particularly, I, I, I'm a big sucker for like underground caverns that have like antiquities and like secret hidden cap like cabinets that open up with all sorts of like potions and stuff in it. Like I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when they describe it in like the Dresden books, I love it when, you know, just a lot of that stuff and even walking through rides at Disney and universal. When you see that kind of stuff, it's like, Oh yeah. Yay. So okay. I thought that part was, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I thought the, the fairy what, Holly was her name. I thought she was yes. awesome. She was good. She was a good character. She was. And, uh, yeah, but that was... But again, the... she was she was the daughter of the police officer, I guess, who or the, the agent or officer or whatever it is that they call them. She was the daughter of the officer that was killed. And, you know, supposedly, the, you know, this criminal mastermind was friends with this officer of the law or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were working together. And it's like, really? Uh... Yeah. Oh, and Judy Dench is always good. Although, you, you know a movie is problematic when I see Judy Dench, and my mind wandered for about five to ten minutes about how much I missed her voice on Spaceship Earth. When <laughs> it's like a really hot day, and you go on that nice cold ride, and there's that long little trek backwards down at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, and she like, very soothingly puts you to sleep. And You know, it's a good movie for uh when there's nothing else on and you've kind of exhausted trying to keep your kids entertained they, my child did in fact like it mm-hmm. uh, um as you will hear our review which actually i'll just go ahead and play that review right now well since this movie was mostly made for kids we are going to do a quick review with some actual children guys we're going to talk about the artemis foul movie with both with boach that which both of you watched not too long ago Ethan, what did you think of the movie? I think it was really fun because it was all about magic and like Harry Potter, and Harry Potter is a really good movie. And so is this. Okay. 
Sophia, what did you think? I thought it was so-so because it was meant to be longer since it didn't really have a part that it was, um, like, uh, that there was, like, two worlds, but the part with the two worlds that they didn't have, like, they had a war, but they didn't have a war with the whole of that world, of the second world, but in the rest of the other world, so it kind of made it a little confusing. Yeah, it makes, it makes a little bit of sense. What did you guys think about the fact that the bad guy, like, didn't do anything? Or did they they into battle the big bad guy? What do you think about that? Um, I think it was kind of strange because they shouldn't ended up seeing who the bad guy was really was, or Did, or else it wouldn't, or else nobody would understand it. What about you? Well, it was also a little awkward that they did it because they didn't do any events with him except look at him talk on the phone with the dad hanging from the chain. This is all they really showed with him. Just yeah, walking what, what was your favorite monster? Um, it probably was the guy that we're just talking about, the bad guy. The bad guy was your favorite monster? Yeah, except the boy for kind of creepy. Yeah, that's the talking on the phone. What about you? Um, one of the, I like what, the fairies, um, like the fairies? Holly. Holly was my favorite. She's really cute. Okay, yeah, she was the, the fairy that was like a yeah, main character. The fairy, yeah. Yeah, what'd you think of the big ogre? Ugly. Ugly? Yeah. Messed nice up the nice house, huh? Yeah. It was a nice house, and it totally made, like, him, except not as ugly. Yeah. So do you think that uh, you would you would tell other kids to watch this movie? Ethan? Um, if they like magic and they like, like, like fairies and ogres, yes. Sophia? I would say the exact thing that Ethan would say, but... It, if you like big, huge wars, that wouldn't be a good movie for you. Because <laughs> it doesn't really have one. Yeah, awesome. except, except the fourth field thing. That was cool. Yeah, that was, that was the only cool part, I guess. Excellent. Well, thank you, guys. Actual Kids, reviewing a kids movie. Thank you for coming on. Any last words before you go and play quietly downstairs? Um, If you want to see the second one... You might want to watch the first one to understand the story. If there's going to be a second one. What about you, Sophia? Any last words? Well, make sure if you watch the first one, because if you don't watch the first one and you watch the second one, you won't understand some of the parts in the story since I didn't understand anything. So that's why you have to watch <laughs> the first movie gotcha. for the second movie. I don't know if there is a second movie yet, but well, we'll see how well, the first have, one did. There's, there's five books. Yeah. So. We'll see. We'll see how much it made. Okay. Thank you, guys. Run along quietly. So you can see the the kids liked it, although they were also confused. Uh, that was our our children guest uh, interviewers. Thank you, guys. They are useful for doing things other than being remarkably loud. <laughs> so. That was uh, Artemis Fowl. You can watch it on Disney Plus if you have nothing better to do. It really reminded me of a lot of those other uh, fantasy movies that kind of came out after Harry Potter that really didn't do much. Like the, um, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. And then there was the one with the Greek gods, which I don't remember a lot of them. Uh, even The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Like, things that were trying to piggyback Clash on. Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Like trying to piggyback on the Harry Potter style movie because mm-hmm. they needed something to fill that void. And nothing mm-hmm. ever really took off. Now, uh, we would be moving on to the next thing. Actually, we are going to move on to the next thing. Uh, 
Jimmy uh, has sent us a message that he's going to urinate. And he's been in there a really long time. Yeah, this message came out probably halfway through the previous review. But I'm going to talk a little bit about The Five Bloods. Rob, I'm assuming you did not watch this movie. I did not watch this movie. But Jimmy may have. And there's Uh, Jimmy right there. Jimmy did start watching this movie. There. Welcome back, Jimmy. We are about to start talking. Oh, he... Did he just just lick his hand? What the the hell was that? He came back from the bathroom and licked his hand? Interesting. Well, that is one way of washing your hand, I suppose. (laughs) Welcome, Jimmy. Why did you lick your hands, Jimmy? I think he's still muted. Yeah, he didn't unmute himself. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we uh, we have finished um, talking about Artemis Fowl. We are now going to talk about The Five Bloods. This movie came out. Uh, I did not write down the date, but it came down. It came out uh, this past weekend, so June something, uh, on Netflix. Uh, it was the number one trending movie this week on Netflix. Yes, as they are June showing that 12th. now. June twelfth. Thank you, Jimmy. I will type that out right now. Uh, Everything it, came out June twelfth. Yeah, it is starring Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Chadwick Boseman, that is the Black Panther, and Jean Renault, the professional. Uh, Four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam, seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Okay. So, Jimmy's seen most of it, or some of it. I've seen some of it. Okay. Rob, you've not seen it. I have not. Now, uh, and famously, we know that I'm a big fan of socially aware movies. And in theory, I always want to like Spike Lee's movies. In actuality, I very rarely do. Uh, I liked Clockers quite a bit. I really wanted to like Summer of Sam. That was the movie I was like, you know, when you pinpoint a movie, you're like, I cannot wait to see that in the theater. Mm-hmm. And then and then you go see it and it's like, oh, I did not like that. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of those for me. Uh, although I might have been looking for something a little more because it, it came out very close to when Seven came out. So I was looking for more like crazy serial killer type story. Right, yeah. And I got yeah. and I got less of that. So I need to actually see that one again because I was also very young when I saw it, relatively speaking. But anyway, uh, so this movie, uh, first thing I recall, or I thought about while I was watching this because it does start off with a with a bunch of clips explaining Vietnam at some point early in the movie. And they show, uh, they show some things. Yeah. Some things I'd only ever seen pictures of. Yeah. So they, they show the famous picture of the, the Viet Viet Cong officer, I believe getting shot in the head and you see the bullet entering his head because his face is like cringing. Uh, that is actually a still frame from a video. And they apparently it's a color video too, or they colorized it. And they actually show the rest of him falling down, and there are spurts of blood and other such things. And I was like, okay, whoa. So I thought this was um, almost sold to me as a buddy type movie where the, you know, maybe a treasure thing or maybe something a little bit more you know, soulful, but with the loss of their friend, maybe a little bit of action. Like, the, I didn't really know what to think going into this movie. Mm-hmm. And then they start off with this, like, almost, do- I mean, it's documentary footage. And I'm like, okay. And then it goes to modern day and 
they're taught and these these four uh 60 something retirees are talking about going back there because they're one of their comrades storm and norman who was played by chadwick boseman but he's of course playing someone in this in the 60s in vietnam um they left his body there when they they basically had they were in a chopper the chopper got shot down they made their escape and left his body and also left a shit ton of gold about i think it was three million dollars worth of gold so i'm like okay super over the top documentary stuff at the beginning and then it changes to sort of a i don't know if that's actually a genre type but like a you know a heist picture in the jungle you know like a romancing the stone or a you know, any of those type of type of movies where it's like okay they're going to go to the jungle so now it's it's changed a little bit mm-hmm. and you get of course you get flashbacks the flashbacks are kind of interesting cuz they are shot the they actually make a big deal of switching the the way the camera is shot on the screen, like they, they slowly move the little bars in on the side. So it looks like older footage and it's grainy and stuff. And you actually see some of the stuff that happens to them. Uh, you find out how their, their compatriot died, which I won't say. Yes. And, um, and the very interesting thing about that, that really kind of pulled me into the, you know, to, to what I saw so far of it was that when they flash back, the four characters that we are caught up with in present day are the same age that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Except you see them in the flashback. Storm and Norman, Chadwick Boseman's yeah. character. And that was actually done on purpose. I'm not sure if you saw that. It was like, actually, that is one of the things I wrote down. Um, uh, the reason why this is from uh, Spike Lee, the reason why the characters appear old during the war flashbacks is because it isn't a flashback, but instead it's the characters remembering the past. Therefore, they remember the past with their current age. It also symbolizes in their mind they're still in Vietnam yep. and will continue to be at Vietnam, never fully be able to move on from that war, Yeah, which is actually very interesting. That part I liked. Very interesting. Once I, once I figured that out. Yeah. Um, now, this is, a, of course, a Spike Lee movie. So, you know, the, the race thing is definitely on his mind, which is fine. The Because that's, you know, if you're going to see a Spike Lee movie, you have to expect that and you which is fine. There is a very interesting part there. And this is one of the things I actually liked about the movie is that they, they are in Vietnam. And if you, there was a, an actual real person that they, they have someone acting as her, but there was a radio operator that would say terrible things about the American government to the American soldiers. They're trying to get them to defect. And in one case, they're talking to these these black soldiers and they're like, why are you fighting out here to give us the freedoms that you don't even have at home? Because these guys were sent out there to die at a larger rate than the white soldiers because of the way they did the draft on purpose. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to get freedoms and then they would have to go home and still have to use different water fountains. This was in the early 60s at this point. So none of the civil rights stuff had happened yet. And they're also there... Well, when they, this woman also announces that Martin Luther King was shot and that's when these guys in the flashback, at least are like, screw this. We're, we're on our own. Like they're not going against the American government. They're like, you know, we're trapped down here. We've got enemies on all sides. You know, why should we just take this gold? that's all here. 
So it's, it's very interesting that uh, another interesting part, which was a creative decision and it was, and first of all, the acting is excellent across the board. Every single person was great, but yeah, it was absolutely. great seeing Del. It was great seeing Delroy Lindo in another big in another big role because he's been on TV for a mm -hmm. while, and he's awesome. And he is a he never outright says it, but he's a big Trump person. And that and well, he, one, he does say it. <laughs> okay, man. When I guess they, I they that first part. gather in the uh, gather for drinks. And it was it was one of those very weird movies where it was really loud and really quiet, and I was mm. watching it at night, so I was doing the volume thing. So I might have missed I missed a little bit of the conversation you, stuff as I was doing that. You could have missed that part, yeah. So and he's wearing the the red MAGA hat, and it's it's interesting because when they were when they were determining the character, um, all of the char all the people were determining the characters. They this original script was written for all white characters to be directed by Oliver Stone. And then it got pushed around and, it, you know, how that happens. We just talked about it a few seconds ago. So that, that character was really disenfranchised. And when they carried it over to a black character who is, you know, went off and fought for this country, came back, was spit on, never really reached what his, what he thought his potential was. So he's like, he's disenfranchised by everything. So why not? find something new if he's that disenfranchised why not talk you know pick someone that is out of the ordinary and i thought that was kind of an interesting creative uh, turn and and uh spike lee to in his credit was like look and people are like oh it's not gonna be believable you have a black guy wearing a maga hat and he's like look one of my things my parents told me is that don't just say because you're a black person you're not gonna like something um his uh he said, I was told by our parents very early on that black people are not one monolithic group. We don't all think alike or look alike. And it's like, so it's like, oh, making an interesting character that way. I thought that was actually kind of interesting. Um, that being said, there was the problem I had with this, this movie in general is it checked every single box from all of these different types of movies I've mentioned. And it like weird crap happened out of nowhere. Like how far did you get, Jimmy? Um, I got to the part where they were um, in the helicopter for the first time, and their flashback, they fire? flashback. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, see, so they have not found the gold yet. Yes, they did. Okay, so and then like, yeah. Okay, so they find the gold, and this is you'll. See you guys out there. We'll see. They find the gold because the the main character, well, not really the main character. One of the character's sons has come along with them. The guy with the hat has come with them, and he steps away from the group to go take a shit. His words. And while he's digging a hole with a little shovel, he happens to find one of these gold bars. This is like a footlocker full of gold in the middle of the Viet Vietnam jungle, in a place that wouldn't actually make sense for it to be because it's on like the side of a hill and this plane had crashed in a valley and he finds the gold, a gold bar randomly while taking shit. And then, so like, that's one thing that pushes the story along. There's another part where there's like a random snake attack where it's like, okay, you're going to have a movie where dudes are in a jungle. There's going to be something involving a snake attack, like every single one of these movies. So it's like, okay, check that box. It's like every one of these has to have like, you know, some sort of trap 
or something along those lines. But like, there's a snake attack out of nowhere, which pushes the story along because the guy who's supposed to be a pretty decent, yes, he was a decent soldier in Vietnam. He knows he's being hunted and he decides to kill the snake with like an AK-47, which of course allows everyone to know where he is. That was just some of the things I noticed. Uh, there were some very interesting things that reminded you that you were watching a movie when I didn't know if I wanted to be. Like there's a part where the, that main character decides to start monologuing directly to the camera, uh, like a la Blair Witch Project. And it's a beautiful piece. Like it's well acted, mm-hmm. but I'm, I was caught thinking, oh, wow, that's really well acted because it's completely different than the rest of the movie. Uh, there's one point where uh, a Vietnamese, so at a certain point when they realize there's gold involved, there's like a, a French guy that's trying to get the gold. And then there's like a, a tax scene and there's a bunch of stuff going on there, um, which is uh, very on the nose. But they, that's Jean Renault, of course. There is a, a certain sequence where someone says, like, calls uh, that character a baby killer. And they, of course, show an actual picture of a dead Vietnamese baby, like from like actual footage. It was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> like it just pulls you out of this movie very abruptly and I get what it was there for, but I think it would have actually been, the movie would have been more impactful if it just allowed its, itself to happen. Um, Cause it, it seemed everything was very disjointed with all these different types of movies together. And I almost was just more interested in the interaction between the main characters. Um, it almost, it, it did almost have an eighties movie feel where there was like these well-armed random people in the middle of the woods and they never really kind of explain who they are. Just lots of like they just had and, very and, nice uh, arms, very toned. Yes, they yes they they just worked out like lots of AK forty sevens. Just so there's a lot of that type stuff, but um, people seem to really like it. Man, like I was looking at things and like, oh, it's genius, it's wonderful, and I'm like, it seemed rushed and unfinished to me. And I was it was one of those things. I'm like, oh, I cannot wait tonight. I'm going to watch that mm-hmm. movie. And I was, I was left. That's cold. how I felt when I sit so. down, sat down expecting an hour and a half film, but um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to finish the two and a half hours. I'm very much looking yeah. forward to finishing it. Um, I don't know. Does it? Does it mm-hmm. sound like it? It sounds like from the way you're describing it, it's a, a victim of editing. Uh, over editing. Yeah. Like, it feels like there yeah. are a lot of parts missed well, out oh, that they probably shot but didn't make it. Yeah. Because the the idea itself is an awesome one. It is definitely showing an aspect of stuff that that we don't get a chance to see. And that's what I like about certain things. That's why I'm, you know, if that's why I, re- I read a book about, you know, Germany in the 1500s once because I, I knew nothing about it. You know, just those type of things. And I want to see something new and see things from different perspectives. But it, I think it just got bogged down on itself. So is it worth seeing? Again, everything is worth seeing these days. Um, I'm actually kind of interested to see other people's perspective on it. Just to see if I'm wrong. Uh, if you are a fan of The Wire, which is one of the best shows ever on television that I can never watch again because it's depressing as shit. Uh one of the, the character Melvin is played by Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who was a state senator in that show. And he was well known for his famous line, 
shit. And he does it in this movie as well. And if you are able to see the credit after the credits, which is hard because it's Netflix, so it does jump ahead at the very end of the credits, the entire cast is sitting in one one of those, like, the little temples that you see in the middle of, like, the Vietnamese woods in, like, movies and stuff. Uh, the entire cast and crew is sitting in front of those, and they all do that line. It's like a mm-hmm. little end of the movie thing, which is a kind of awesome. So that's worth it if you can actually see that part. So that is The Five Bloods. And I have no good segue, Rob. It's because they stopped Nothing. selling them a while ago. Selling what? Segways, you dunce. Oh, Segways. They don't. They didn't stop selling Segways. You can still buy a Segway. No, they've got the little rolly foot pad things now. No, you can still buy a Segway. You know who could have used a Segway? I'm looking. These, right now. these gargoyles that had wings but couldn't fly. <laughs> well, they did fly. You can, yeah, you can. Once. A couple of times it was eluded. Uh, to that, but uh, it probably wasn't in the budget to show them any more than once because when they did show them flying, it looked absolutely fucking stupid. Uh, you can get a Segway robot called the Lumo. It's an advanced really robot. I don't know what it does. About your Segway joke, I am now, guys. The movie, the i, the i two se personal Segway transporter, which looks like the old one, except it has three cases on it, uh, is available for your work life balance, Rob. Mm. Just letting you know, because you much rather spend eight hundred dollars on something rather than you know walk. Yeah, sorry. Are you done? You done throwing so. a fit? I could be done throwing a fit. I'm gonna go ahead. Do, do do your do do your happy little gargoyle movie while I'm learning about the Lumo personal robot, which I will get and program to kill you. Both. I don't know. It feels like you're still. It has upset. no arms, but we'll figure something out. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. I'm good. Are you sure? Pretty good. I'm sure. I'm positive. All right. My fools are positive. <laughs> Let's talk about gargoyles, people. Damn it. Let's pick that one up. We'll talk about gargoyles, and it's not the super cool animated series that you might think. It is the made-for-TV movie that was released on November 21st, 1972. Mm. Directed by Bill L. Norton, who has also directed episodes of Sequest 2032. And Kerwin, this is for you. Freaky links. I'm going to draw some parallels here because I love doing that. Uh, And I will do that in just a second. The movie stars Bernie Casey as the gargoyle, Cornell Wilde, Jennifer Salt, Grayson Hall, and Scott Glenn. I'm going to interject here when you mention Scott Glenn. That is our connection with the previous movie. We've been having this thing where we, every movie is connected to the previous movie and we don't realize it until we actually do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Scott Glenn start, starred in The Right Stuff with Mr. Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Who apparently left the motorcycle jousting circus. Cir- circle? Circus? Cir- whatever. Yeah, I think circus circuit. Is circuit. 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 That we go. Circuit to become Circuits a star. Is also acceptable. Yeah, to become a star and star in The Right Stuff. Again, with Scott Glenn, who was in this movie. So there we go. There's our connection. 
He made a fantastic recovery from being run over by a truck. He sure did. Completely yeah. obliterated so much to the point that you didn't even see any body parts. Or blood. Or, or blood. Horses. He was vaporized. No horses. So guys, what are your initial thoughts about this television film? Holy God. Um, I'm... <laughs> I'm fairly certain that that old man in the cabin was just making words up while he was talking. <laughs> Uncle Willie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he yeah. was talking about the Native American rituals, and he was like, yeah, they had this ritual. It was the not the Chonka Chinko. I'm like, wait, the what? <laughs> Pretty close, yeah. What's that? He did that when he was talking about the rattlesnake, not too. Chinko. When the, When the rattlesnake startled the girl, he was like, that's a eight bubble point something. I was like, I had to rewind that part multiple times because I was like, what did he say? Because I, I don't know a lot about snakes, but I've never heard something described like that. Yeah. Yeah, as an eight bubble point something or other. Um, yeah. There were some very interesting parts in this movie, and there were parts that made me laugh because the dialogue didn't really make sense. Like... Like the scene where where he he has the dad follow the the lead gargoyle has the dad follow him into the cave, and he brings him into the cave and he goes, "Ah, oh, you thought you tricked me," and I'm like, "No, you told him to come." What the hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we go any further, this film, uh, an anthropologist slash paleontologist slash demonologist. Slash father professor and his daughter while traveling through the southwestern U.S. stumble upon a colony of living, breathing gargoyles. Gargoyles. Who are man's greatest enemy that Apparently. none of us knew about. Mm -hmm. Who rear their heads every 600 years to try and overthrow mankind as servants of the devil. Yes. And my thought, of course, when I first started watching this, I went into this very, very blind, and I was like, I wanted, uh, I wanted gothic architecture, and not deserts. Nope. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta cave. Like, yeah, I got a cave. I did not get what I wanted. I wanted. I, I should have. Keeper. Well, I'm always okay with that. I mean. And yet yeah. another movie with corrupt slash ignorant slash stupid cops. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, backwoods, small town cops, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying okay. to... They round up the local dirt biker gang yeah. and uh, throw them in jail um, immediately following the burning of Uncle Willie's roadside attraction slash museum that our main character and his daughter have stopped at to observe an ancient relic mm -hmm. uh, that Uncle Willie possesses, <laughs> uh, which happens to be a gargoyle skeleton. Listeners out there, do not ever follow Uncle Willie into a dark room when he's going to show you his ancient relic. Especially, it's like, before we do this, you're going to sit down and have a beer with me. 
No, I am not. <laughs> I'm not drinking anything that you give. And me. he went to a second location, which is never a good idea. And he closed and locked the door behind them, which is also never a good idea. And he's I, like, We're gonna play a game. Whoever can <laughs> swallow the most Tylenol PNs wins. <laughs> <laughs> Let's what see who can game? drink this uh, Robitus in the fastest. <laughs> Once you finish one, have another. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I remember this film, uh, seeing this when I was a kid, probably. Should we really call it a film? I think film I is mean, a highbrow movie. It's a, a movie, a made-for-TV movie Yeah, that there's there's one character in particular that used to scare the shit out of me, and it's not who you would expect. It's was it not. The, was it the girl? The, it's the girl gargoyle. Oh yeah, yeah. The female gargoyle scared the crap out of me. Uh, I I don't know why, but it was just something about her like fur. Oh yeah, she had fur that I didn't feel thing. like gargoyles should have. But um, the, the beginning of I, this movie really leads you to believe that it's going to be something <laughs> like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It leads situation. you to believe that it's going to be like a black metal video. Yeah. When it's um the, all right, so the the intro to this movie is probably the coolest part about it aside from the creature effects. Yeah. Um they're showing pictures of, you know, ancient um carvings and uh drawings that are hundreds of years old depicting gargoyles in their fight against man as a as servants of Satan trying to overthrow humanity like I said. Um where they show And that's where they tell that story for you guys out there. Yeah, and and uh, curiously enough, I guess uh, one of the pictures, one of the stills that they show in this before they introduce that weird, loud ass music into it, and then you can't <laughs> hear anything else, um, is a picture from a 1922 film called Haxon. Uh, it's a uh, it's or the English title is The Witches or R Witchcraft Through the Ages. They show a black and white picture of a a goblin slash gargoyle. Um, the the parallels that I'm going to draw here are uh -huh. uh, are that uh, Haxon, the 1922 film, um, the is uh, Haxon is also the name of the production company founded by the creators of the Blair Witch Project. Ah, uh, well, I'm not done yet, Greg. I'm, I'm, I, that is still interesting. I did Bill not know that. L. Norton directed an episode of Freaky Links, which was produced by Haxon Entertainment, based right here out of Central Florida. Am I allowed to go? Ah, yes, yes, you can. Okay. Oh, because I'm done drawing parallels. But I was not eyeing just the parallels. I was eyeing the image that you were mentioning because I found it online. And I was yep. like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a weird silent film about witchcraft and Satanism and demonism what? or whatever. It's uh, You can find it. it it's, it's, uh, it's online. Uh, to watch that and go. This was made in 1922. It's a little bit. Yeah, the one demon guy actually looks like Etrigan, the demon from DC Comics, the design of it. Sure. Like missing nose and the. Yeah. <laughs> sure. 
I haven't. I'm sure I've seen a picture of him, but yeah. Um. Okay. So let me. Is, I, yeah. I, hold on. So the thing I mentioned, like it really seems like, I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre had not come out at this point yet, but I'm going to make a little bit of parallels here too because the beginning of this movie did, did remind me because of the going off into the desert, fi- you know, finding this thing. Now I am in the middle of a book called uh, I believe Shock Value, which is about the resurgence of horror from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, and they do talk about the um, uh, the Hills Have Eyes. Yes, which was, I was which just was filmed, thinking that. Which they filmed in the desert. And one of the reasons they did was because they mentioned in the book that New Mexico had had a lot of success uh, with bringing productions in there. And this movie is, I believe, one of those movies that they're talking about. Because there's a couple other big movies that were filmed around that time that did better than they were supposed to. And they got tax credits, and that was kind of where this thing started. And that's also one of the reasons why Texas Chainsaw Massacre decided to go the route that they did. Not It wouldn't have been called Texas Chainsaw Massacre had they not. I believe it was supposed to be called like Head Cheese or something like that. But when I finished that chapter and then went came while walking the dog and came inside and watched the movie, I thought it was very interesting that I'm now watching one of those movies that they were kind of talking about in that book. And but I really I thought this movie was going to go a different direction because of the creepy roadside thing. And then he gets squished. Yes, Uncle Willie. Um, there is a um, presumably a, a gargoyle attack on the little shack that they're looking at this gargoyle skeleton. A uh, a beam falls on poor Uncle Willie, and his lantern falls right next to him, and he just goes up into uh, into flame immediately. And, and the um, people who are there save the skull. They save yeah, that's, the skull. There's a lot there to unpack. Like they the the two yeah. want to write about this thing in the book, but they're also a little wary, thinking this is like a fake kind of Barnum type situation. The guy gets squished. the The daughter is like, "We should save him," and the father's like, "Nah, he's dead." You get the skull. head. Yeah, get the skull. They decide to and take she the grabs skull. the tape recorder. And yeah. they didn't give a shit after that. They're like, mm-hmm. let's go. Let's hop in the car and just drive. And like this guy really just wanted to be on the cover of a book. Yeah. And they were like, nah, well, you know, it's my book. And then this thing falls on. I'm like, oh, well, guess that problem is solved. I'm, we'll just take the skull and leave. Very so they... unconcerned about <laughs> it. They're like, oh, we'll and... just tell the cops in the morning. And then they get into the car and he's like, you know what? Play back that tape. I want to. I want to listen to more of that tape, as opposed to, hey, maybe we should go call somebody, find somewhere, and call someone. No, <laughs> no. because if you remember, there was another effing house that they could have gone in. That that one probably had a telephone. Yeah, it had beer, and it uh, had beer. Snake sure did. Yeah, did uh, were you guys watching? What did you guys watch it on YouTube? Yes, YouTube. Yes. Okay, I watched it on Tubi, because it's on there as well. And YouTube was far superior. You want to know why? Why? Because in the middle of the movie, it had some glorious 1970s commercials. Oh, see, that would have been great. Tubi oh, I didn't re- see any commercials. Tubi had regular commercials, and right as they were throwing the, the skull into the trunk, it cut to commercial, and it was a mm-hmm. commercial for a hatchback. 
And, nice. they, and talking about how much space there was in it. And like, I know they didn't do it on purpose and whatever, but it was, it would have been perfect. It was so perfect. I was like, oh, like, wow, if they had that car, it would have been significantly easier to steal this entire, you know, cor- like skeleton thing instead of just the skull. And, and the one I watched was obviously recorded from an area that's not here, I think, because the, the commercials that they had were like for, uh, I think it's now a defunct chain, uh, Burger Chef. Ooh, mm. sounds delicious. And was talking about putting meat in your face or some shit. I was like, <laughs> what? All right. This yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like for the both of you, the um, the commercials were the most remarkable thing about this movie. I haven't even talked about the Elmo commercial I got later on. No. <laughs> this is a, a very unremarkable movie. Yeah, well, that and, that and the fact that the girl walked in on a gargoyle using the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch was... that? She was like, oh, I'm sorry, and closed <clears throat> the door, and I'm like, he's in there pooping! <laughs> I, I do actually want to talk about this girl a little bit, because this girl is, maybe it was a 70s thing, but that she did not have any shirts that she wasn't tying onto her body. Every single one of her shirts was, a, was involved some sort of giant knot in the beginning. In the middle yeah, of the I, I think that was a 70s thing. Even yeah, when walking they're... around in the in the bathing suit top or whatever and yeah. the pants. Yeah, yeah with like they're... The knot before in the, middle. the whole Uncle Willie incident, they're talking about her dad's book and stuff like that, and she even says something to the effect of, oh, yeah, you're going to put my sexy pictures in there or something? I'm like, ugh. <laughs> your dad you gross yeah it was weird um she only had scarves that she wore yeah uh, like i guess i'm just gonna tie this bandana around my boobs uh, she ended up becoming a big producer though like oh. a big time producer uh the actress that played uh, her uh in fact most recently uh actually still a producer called, i think it was yes yeah, uh, still a producer for american horror story excellent yeah so, uh, possibly still wearing shirts that you only tie on. I mean, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't seen any recent pictures. Yeah. So, uh, man, I, I, God, that must have been a, a weird trend in like seventies horror because I swear, the same guy who did the audio or the same woman who did the audio for Frogs did the audio for this, where they almost played this just like screeching noises whenever something happened that just completely took me out of it was any part hot. of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just all up in the, the headroom and um even when the gargoyles spoke, uh they actually went back and dubbed Bernie Casey the gargoyle because like the alpha gargoyle. Yeah, they said his voice didn't match the feel that they were going for. And what they did like replace they added it a lot with, of reverb or something. Yeah, what mm-hmm. they what they um, they replaced his dialogue with sounded like they were they recorded uh, next to a busy highway or something. What it, to me, <laughs> what it sounded like it sounded like they had him record his lines talking through like a metal screen that vibrated as he was talking into it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like it tin just tin made him sound yeah. stupid. It sounded really tinny. It sounded like it was metal vibrating from his from his speech. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm going through my notes here. Yeah, I thought that was that was kind of an interesting thing. I do wonder what the original voice would have sounded like. Uh, the 
this this eventually leads to what was one of the more boring car chases that I've ever seen in my life in a movie. That would be the the, the inept policeman chasing the motorcycle dirt bike gang out of nowhere. Yeah. And the one dude knocks his buddy over. Yep. Like on purpose. I was like, what the fuck? What just happened? And then throws himself on the floor. And they like, there's that one shot where they're like, I guess the cameraman was standing in that dried out creek. And there was like that little wooden bridge. And they kind of followed the motorcycle guys across the bridge. Like just mm-hmm. by pivoting the camera. And then a significant amount of time passes. And then the cop car goes across the bridge. It's like, oh my God, did you guys not know how to edit back then? Like, we get the point. It's the same bridge. You don't need to, like, actually have them drive in real time. So that was that was definitely a reminder that I was watching a made-for-TV movie from the 70s. Mm-hmm. That that I try to say that I don't like quick edits, but I think I'm, I do. <laughs> After watching so many movies from the 80s and, and 70s recently, like, maybe uh, quick edits would are a good thing. Do you like any Guy Ritchie films? I do like some Guy Ritchie films. There you go. I like all Guy Ritchie films, actually. Yeah. Um, now that I think of it. The, I, I mean, I I couldn't, I don't think I could have picked a, a more unre- unremarkable film that I remember so remarkably well from my childhood. So you'd seen this multiple times as a kid? I've or you seen saw this once multiple in it? times. This shit was on TBS all the fucking time. Wow. I had never heard of this or seen it. And can we talk about how the gargoyles thought it was a good idea when they pulled the girl out of the car, threw her on the floor? They're like, how do we get him out? I know. Let's just tip the car over. Yep. <laughs> I was like, what are they doing? Why? Okay, because that makes sense. Yeah, yeah they tipped the car over. Uh, and then because... it took them 20 minutes to dig the body out that they were trying to get. Well, see, they're getting – yeah, this is actually a big thing because one of the gargoyles basically offs himself by by casually wandering into the road. See, there's another tie-in to Night, Night Riders. Um, yep. where the, the one gargoyle th- there's an attack which actually was a little creepy uh a little over the top where the guy the one gargoyle punches his way through the door and kind of creeps his way up the foot of the bed and mm-hmm. you know whatever and then one of the gargoyles offs himself so now the the writer father weird relationship with his daughter guy uh has uh the ability to uh i guess bring a body to prove that it, the skull was real and the gargoyles, of course, get pissed. They must have like GPS on all of them because they seem to know where all of the skeletons and bodies end up. But I thought that was an interesting little moment. Yeah, there. and uh, they did this weird slow motion effect. Yeah, every time I, the gargoyles did something that was supposed to be creepy, and I read somewhere that they did it, uh, they slowed it down to give the gargoyles a more uh, jerky, inhuman type quality, where it just yeah, it just looks really bad and exposes the flaws in the character design. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, it's just one of those things, like when when you're a kid. You know, this this one place that you went to, all the things looked so much bigger and everything was so much more epic. And then you, you go back uh, later when you're an adult and you go, oh, wow, those things are really not that big. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as scary <laughs> at all. Uh, this movie actually affected a lot of people uh, older than us because, I mean, you weren't mm-hmm. born when it came out. I wasn't born when it came out. But so I did some searching because of the fact that it was 
like we, we got to think of stuff to talk about about these movies. So I was like, okay, what did I take out of it? Well, it was a TV movie. There were some crappy effects, blah, blah, blah. Uh, maybe it was an interesting story, but it was not what I expected, all that stuff. And so I just, I was like listening to other podcasts that there are actually a couple podcasts out there that reviewed it. One of which was a father and son. The son was a five-year-old mm. and was, and was reviewing it. All right. Um, and they were talking about how the reason they knew about this movie. So I guess I would assume the, the guy is about our age. Uh, they were saying that he kept on saying grandma loved this movie and said it was the scariest movie she ever saw. So grandma would have been a little bit younger than I'm guessing than our parents, which means that they would have probably watched it when they were, you know, early seventies would have been like late teens ish, mm-hmm. maybe early twenties. And this movie freaked people out. And it was like actually considered really scary because I've had I, nothing about this movie that creeped me out. And it was a made for TV movie in the seventies. So it's like, there wasn't even that much. There was a little bit of blood, but not much. There's not too, there was like creepy stuff, but it was definitely nothing that I would be like, guys, you have to see this movie. It's so scary. Mm-hmm. It was, but Jimmy thought it was scary when he, you know, for when he was a kid and this guy's mom did and a bunch of other people. Yeah. I couldn't, it, it would be flipping the channels it'd be on and i i had to stop and watch it <laughs> did you remember most of it yeah yeah i did I, um i guess things played out differently in my head it it stuck with me it kept me awake when i was a kid that's for sure it, a, uh, a part where you people don't understand what's real and what isn't when they're kids yeah yeah i mean the um but you know i want to i want to get to um Unless you have, you guys have more to say about it, other than the very obvious, uh, the big gargoyle human fight. Where there's a, there's a couple things real quick. Yeah, the woman Hang hanging on. from the. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, the very obvious uh, when the gargoyles kind of launch themselves at people, they're very obviously jumping on trampolines. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, which was just that shit cracked me up. But uh, I, I, yeah, I did like we, the woman mm-hmm. hanging from the pole with like, no clear sign of how she was killed. Yeah, she was immediately just like, hey, after he said, we mean, you no harm. We just want to live in peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then someone's like one of the dudes like screams and is like, ah, she's up on a pole or whatever he says. And it's like within their peripheral vision. He's like, she's like yeah, four yeah. feet. Away. She's like four feet away. Yeah, thank you. There's a woman hanging from the pole. Or, yeah, this the exact line is, "Hey, there's a woman hanging from the pole." <laughs> yeah, there, thank you. <laughs> and it's like, like they could reach up, and maybe on their tiptoes and see it. Like, how did they not notice that? First of all, and that was the point when it immediately cut to an Elmo commercial where Elmo was singing a song about washing your hands for twenty seconds. Watching this thing at like two in the morning, being like, "Wow, this commercial is absolutely not in the right spot," unless they were hoping some goofball podcaster talks about it afterwards <laughs> but that yeah some these free wins yes and then i also noted then let's go to the the, the final battle here jimmy bring yeah it so uh the, <laughs> the um the biker gang and the demonologist author instructor whatever they team up to to go rescue um, his daughter from the clutches of the gargoyles, and there's uh, calamity ensues. The gargoyles uh, pursue, 
you know they they get the jump on on the uh, on the gang <laughs> the trampoline got it okay point, cool point, thank point, you point, very point. much i'll be here all week um uh, rob just rolled his eyes um that's all right i did too and uh they just kind of the gargles i guess they claw somebody to death yeah so there's i thought it was funny that the lead gargoyle threw the father in that pit that was probably like two feet deep he's like you get in there and i'm like did he really think that was gonna stop him from following i <laughs> was like what yeah, the, the gargoyles were in the cave. I was like, what? That just with their comically small wings <laughs> that don't work till the end of the movie. Yeah, but uh, in rescuing the paleontologist daughter um, and destroying all the five hundred year old gargoyles' eggs um, that one of the bikers sacrifices himself for uh to do uh there's there's some um backstabbing between the gargoyles uh the gargoyle and one of the main breeding gargoyles um have a bit of a falling out um, she's jealous that he's interested in the human girl yeah and she, there's some shit where she's teaching the gargoyle how to read or something. I don't know. I just kind of I was like... Maybe if the breeding gargoyle wore a shirt that she could tie on. I checked out. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I... Was The, the then... breeding gargoyle was the female one that freaked you out, right? She did, but it didn't freak me yeah. out now. Yeah. yeah. She looked like and a then, David, and a then David the... Bowie character to me. Mm-hmm. And then the paleontologist turns it into a 1970s cartoon where they explain everything in detail after it happens. And he, he beats the, the female gargoyle with a rock, damaging her wing. And the gargoyle stands up and says, Oh, you are so clever to have disabled her, <laughs> making me have to carry her away. But you live and we live. So, ha ha, who wins? And I'm like, that was kind of the point, genius. What the Yeah, the it's hell? just like, okay, whatever. Like... It's a very meh kind of film. Well, that you did. Are we skipping over the part where he burns all of these baby gargoyle eggs around? No, I did. I I, I mentioned where the the bike guy sacrificed yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That because honestly, at this point, when they started spreading the gas around on these eggs to like burn all these baby gargoyles uh, that had been resting for six hundred years or whatever. It's yeah, been. but there's a one that comes out of the egg and it's like full grown and creepy as hell. Yeah, and all like, I could—I would. You can't even say, "Oh, those cute little baby gargoyles." No, they're just gross-looking, yeah. weird, but giant snake people. I still had the note: uh, humans suck. Totally rooting for the gargoyles at this point because they really weren't that bad. Like they killed some what annoying. They were. They killed. They killed people. Just like straight up killed. They people. killed annoying people. <laughs> I, like, was there anyone in this movie that didn't deserve to die? I mean, Uncle maybe, Willie maybe was she... pretty well-intentioned. I think. Well, that was, was an ac- that was an accidental death, like they didn't. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm on Team Gargoyle, man. I'm on Team Bernie now, this Casey. Is not the cartoon from the '90s. Yeah, I'm on that team too. Greg's uh, on Team then... Nakatikachinko. Yes, <laughs> you made that shit up. <laughs> I'm uh, so uh, 
are we closing out here? Because there, there are another, even after the movie is over, which actually ends very abruptly the way Jimmy said. I yeah, like, yeah I, was, I was like, is, is that it? Yeah. There's a couple little things here that I, I noticed. One, this was one of those movies where the credits ran over like video of the people like smiling awkwardly and doing stuff yeah. next to them. I was like, okay. That was, I hadn't seen that in a while. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Not since think uh opening of gilligan's island yep yep uh so this uh the creature effects were stan winston stan winston and ellis berman yeah and i'm pretty sure this actually won a best makeup effects uh emmy back then uh during the primetime emmy awards of 1973 you you have all these notes as well i sure do outstanding achievement in makeup the 1973 Primetime Emmy Awards, it beat out Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Kung Fu, The Waltons, The Red Pony, and Wide World of Mystery. Which we will never cover on this movie, any of those. I hope. Please, no. I'm going to pick The Waltons. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I ain't watching That's a show. that shit. Yeah. Uh, the, I did some research on the Tuesday Night Movie phenomena, which is weird because they actually reinstated the Tuesday Night Movie slash Sunday Night Movie is what it became. It was Friday Night Movie. In 1972, it became the Tuesday Night Movie, which is when this came out. So it was a Tuesday Night Movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they did reinstate it this past month in May. Or two months, last month in May because of everyone being home bored. And they played played a few, uh, I think, in two Indiana Jones movies and a couple other movies like that. Uh, One of the things that they tended to do during these movies is actually treat them as pilots for an upcoming TV series, which is why the show just ends with at least two gargoyles alive. Like the original Hulk movie would have been one of these where they eventually turned it into a TV show. Mm-hmm. And there was, a, there was a thought that, that gargoyles could continue as a TV show. I'm glad that did not become a thing. Yeah. Who knows? The world could have been a better place. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no, like the uh, the creature effects in this were were pretty remarkable. I think they were the most remarkable part of this movie. Um, Definitely for 1972. Yeah. Do you guys have any 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 more thoughts on this? No. Oh. Oh, well, we got to answer our usual question. I think. Yeah. Should this movie be remade? I say, hell yes. I agree. With I an updated I think story, this movie, yeah. I think this movie could definitely benefit from a remake with with like you said, an updated story, updated script, and updated um, special effects. I didn't have a huge problem with the story. Um, I thought it was kind of a cool premise. I I think if they stuck to that intro, by by better story, I just mean better. Better scripting. writing, yeah, and no, better I, scripting. Yeah, yeah, I completely, yeah, I, I completely understand what you mean. Um, the intro for me got me really hyped up watching this again. I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be fucking badass. It's gargoyles against humans, and then it was just kind of like they're just kind of pushing each other around. Like there was no great, um, the the gargoyles didn't have any great powers aside from jumping on trampolines, and mm-hmm. and flipping cars over which the three of us could probably flip over a mini but hey we could try it rob what are yeah, you doing greg's got a mini. let's 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 go over to greg's house 
Let, let, let us not. <laughs> I know where he lives. We can we can we can take that guard out easily. Um, but yeah, I I think it could. I mean, they took a film like The Hills Have Eyes, which we talked about in 1977. Uh, they remade that. They updated it. That was pretty awesome. And and I think they they totally could with this as well. So I think I, I agree. I've I've seen a lot of these like stories of like Native American weirdness happening in New Mexico recently, and you know everything from chupacabras to other various uh, uh, other myths and things like that. And I think that this movie could actually be turned into something like that very easily and it would just it, they could actually make it super creepy yeah so, i would see that stop remaking stuff that was good start remaking stuff that was terrible yeah it's a good idea yeah. yeah so you were talking about the uh the creature effects why were you doing that jimmy well i'm doing that as an uh homage to the great work that um stop putting your hands on your head when i do okay that's getting kind of weird. Minor on my head too. Oh, hey Um, so as in <laughs> kind of an homage to the work of, of Stan Winston, um, creature effects as, as, as uh, that's what got me started in computer graphics. Um, I, I wanted to do creature effects and I thought these, as, as we said, were, were pretty damn good for the time. So that got me thinking, what were some of the other really good full body creature effects that we've seen in, in films? Um, now what I'm talking about are, um, any character from a film that is, uh, completely made up, right? So it's wearing a bodysuit of, some form or another and rubber latex. Yeah. And and stipulation here is it can't be a robot. So although yes, there was a person inside of the R2D2 costume or C3PO, C3PO, they were robots. Oh, but see C3PO to me is a little bit less um, obvious because it wasn't it. It, he wasn't actually inside a robot. He was inside a costume that looked like a robot. So there, there. I don't even think there was really anything mechanical in C three PO. Yeah, we're talking about the what the character is representing as being a robot. Okay. Yeah. So okay. we we want some actual bending. We want some like squishy fleshiness. Not. I you know, I would no Robocop. I would say yes. if it bleeds, then it counts. I will not repeat my joke. For no, that. you should not. Um, and you I'm not talking not. about. I'm not talking about. Oh well, it's a ro- robot, so it bleeds oil. No. Okay. No, if it if it bleeds blood or acid, or or something to that effect. Um, now, then it counts. I'm probably yeah. Well, let's make it happen, Jimmy. Yeah, do it. I'll go ahead. Well, and I was, go I was gonna say. I was going to say that we do have some some special guest list tonight. Oh, yeah. We sure do. And we will we will forgive because we th- this list kind of or the requirements for this kind of like evolved throughout the day. So for anybody who submitted a list to us, we will forgive any. Hell no! Would they forgive us? We'll I forgive very, everyone, but I had a very Matt. clear thought in my mind. 
um, as to what mine were. Um, so actually the submissions that I got pretty damn good. And I, I got two as well. I got submissions from two people as well. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, so, let, let's, let's go fast then. Cause we're, we're losing time here. Do it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. I'm going to give a nod to the work of, uh, Stan Winston and Ellis Berman on this film. My number five is going to be the gargoyle or gargoyles from gargoyles, 1972. Number four, Doug Jones, who we might hear from later as Pan, as pretty much any other character in a Guillermo del Toro film. Number three, The Giver. The suit in that was absolutely bananas. Number two, Xenomorph from the Alien franchise. And my number one from the 1987 Jungle Classic, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dutch. Predator, originally played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Interestingly. Yep. So that's my five. Should should I do, should I go next or? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Number five, just because it's a classic, the original Godzilla. I don't, I didn't even look up the years. Like what is it? The fifties. So I know it's cheesy. I know it's ridiculous, but you know, it was a dude in a giant Godzilla costume or dinosaur costume, whatever you want to call it, destroying a city that was, you know, smaller city. I like it. Yeah. Uh, number four, you kind of did the same thing I did, the Doug Jones thing. And I have the pale man and the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth. I also did throw in the angel of death from Hellboy two mm-hmm. uh, with like the big spade shaped head because all of those creatures are sort of interchangeable stylistically. And I actually forgot that the angel of death was from Hellboy two and not in the, the other movie. Uh, I don't know if this counts now, so I might've screwed up American werewolf in London. Is that appliques? Is that like appliques or whatever they want to say? Is that makeup? The final form, the final form would... was, there was not a person in that. Oh, oh okay. Complete animatronic. Okay. okay. So then we will bump, the pale man slash the fawn down to three. My number two is the alien from alien. And number one, my favorite universal monster movie, the creature from the black lagoon, the creature yes, is, is actually still holds up to me to this day. In fact, I don't do cosplay most of the time or at all. Cause I'm busy carrying Rob shit around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, carrying extra swords is not the best plan for me. Uh, but if I ever was to do one, that would be one that I would want to do. Coming soon to a convention near you. No, because uh, the conventions are getting pushed later into the summer, and that type of costume would be sweaty. I do not need to be stuck in a costume with the smell of sweaty balls. Actually, they're getting pushed earlier. Megacon is in March next year. Oh, wow. That's actually pretty good. Cool. Excellent. Okay, so number one, Creature Black Lagoon. Excellent. Excellent. Game on. Um, my list, um, I've got an honorable mention because it was one of the first ones I thought of, but given the stipulations that appeared up later on, I am not including it, but that's the robot for mother. There was, there was a period in that movie where I did not realize that the robot was actually a dude in a suit. And I thought they did an excellent job with, with, uh, with the costume and the making up of that. Um, and my first questionable one is, Jabba. Is Jabba allowed? 
Was there a person inside of? There were there were actually four people inside. Yeah, there's four people inside Job of the Hut. I mean, sure. All right. Just like Rob La- never mind. Wow. <laughs> All right then. So Jabba is gonna be my number five. My number four is going to be uh Michael Michael Rooker's final monster form from Slither. Ah. All right. You remember that one? Yeah, that thing was gooey. Yeah, yeah, super gooey. My number three is probably going to be another amalgamation because the the hand eyeball guy, the pale man from yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. as well as Pan from Pan's Labyrinth, and the Angel of Death, because I had all of those on my list as well. And they're all, you're right, they're all kind of stylistically the same. So I'm going with them at number three. At number two... I texted you guys a link and I want you to watch it and check it out. But my number two is going to be just about every costume from the remake of the thing. Now, the problem is, is that the studio saw it and said, oh, this movie's great. Let's replace all these special effects with CG. So the stuff that was actually in the movie was CG. However, the stuff that was removed was absolutely amazing as far as costuming and makeup and everything is concerned. Yeah. If you pay special attention to the video, look for the costume of Griff. Griff looks like his chest is, oh, there's a little bit of animatronic there in that his mouth is working. He's got like two heads cause the head is like separating from him and his chest opens up. Like he's just like coming out of the body. So that's going to be my number two, but my number one, And it's from a series that I know Jimmy likes. And it's going to be from Jurassic Park 3. If you remember, there's a scene in Jurassic Park 3. I know know you're going with this. Where a pteranodon lands on a walkway and walks toward our main characters. That is actually a guy in a suit. It is not CG. Hmm. That is a guy in a costume, and that costume is effing amazing. Yeah, the way it lumbers forward. Actually, the, that was uh, funny. That was on my list as well, but it got bumped. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm putting Chewbacca in place of uh, the the werewolf. By the way, I, I went furry to furry. So that's my new number three Chewbacca is Chewbacca. But anyway, absolutely let's... counts. Yeah. So let, now let's hear what our fans had to say. Yeah. Let's do that. So I'm going to go ahead and first go with uh, Matt, our good friend Jubals, who has been on this episode. Actually, uh, the three that I have, uh, each of these people has been on on an episode. And Matt. Actually, the two people I have have been on as well. Oh, there we go. Matt or Jubals. We need to be really way more picky. (laughs) Uh, His list sent in, he is... um, I can't organize this for him, so I'm going to go ahead and say his number six is going to be the Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth. And then getting into the original five that he sent me are the werewolves from the movie Dog Soldiers. Number Mm -hmm. four is the Merman from Cabin in the Woods. Very, very good. Number three, Predator from Predator. Number two, Red Pyramid, Silent Hill. Oh, okay. Okay, I know. Number that. one is going to be a Chewbacca from Star Wars. 
Oh, Chewbacca. Excellent. I got I got a list that I that I really kind of like, and it was it was it had one that I completely forgot about. Oh, okay. I was like, Damn, yeah. Um, this comes from uh, Asian Jimmy, who, if you remember, guest starred when we were talking about the hopping vampires from Robo Vampire. Yeah, yeah. Which we would not have understood if it wasn't for him. Thank you, Asian Jimmy. I'm I'm just going to give it in the order that he listed it to me. So he's got at number five, he's got the R-O-U-S's from The Princess Bride. Which I greatly appreciate. At number four, he had Predator. At number three, he had the Ninja Turtles. Oh, nice. Uh, yes, very good costumes. At number two, he had Chewbacca. But one of the ones that I forgot that I thought, yeah, that actually was really good. He said uh, Tim Curry from Legend. Yeah, very good. Hey, it played dark. Double horn guy. Yeah. yeah. See, I was going to put that in there too, but his face is just makeup, which I know we're not giving him. We figured that out afterwards. But I, isn't the face just makeup with like a few like appliques? Because I, I have that on my list too. Yeah, it is. And but we again changed the rules after he made that list. So yeah. So we will not sick the jumping vampires on him. I'm going to be like, oh, we're not going to accept it. But uh, yeah. very good. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. You're welcome. Uh, uh, Not you. I also I got another list from Alec who appeared on our episode uh, where we discussed the legal red tape of Friday the 13th. Alec's list at number five is going to be the Grinch, Jim Carrey in costume. Number four is Chewbacca. Number three, um, Eddie Murphy as Gumby on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's fine. He said makeup included, so it might not count. Number two, Predator. Number one, the Xenomorph, as it still scares the shit out of him. Honorable mention, uh, Nutty Professor costume, but it's mostly prosthetics. Yeah. And in all honesty, I should put Xenomorph on my list and bump Jabba off. Xenomorph should probably be at number three on my list, and Jabba should fall off. But I have another list from our listener, Scott. Scott sent me a list. Excellent. Um, a, a couple of his were were negated due to our recent uh, recent changes. However, he had number five. Doesn't matter. Scott is a goddamn American treasure. Yes, he is. He had number five, Mike Myers' Fat Bastard. <laughs> yes. Very nice. <laughs> number four, he had Robin Williams' Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. As that was an entire mask. It was at number at number three. He had Jim Carrey, the Grinch. At number two, he had Anthony Daniels, C-3PO. And at number one, I'm going to read it as he wrote it. The original industrial scenes filmed right here at Rogue Steel Mill with Peter Weller as Robocop. Nice. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. I think Jimmy, did you have one more left? Oh, this is the this is the big one, isn't it? Yes, this is a list uh, from from our, our very good friend Kerwin uh, Scott. Great list. Sorry, I was muted there for a second, trying struggling to close a web web page. Um, after we posed the question into uh, to our friends, uh, Greg posted a question immediately after that. Do you remember what that was, Greg? 
Uh, do I? The top five things that you want to lick off of Rob's chest. Oh, yes, God. yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I was at a, I was oh. actually uh, at a at a Publix while I did that, so I actually wrote, I think, Bick off of Rob's chest because Lick got re got autocorrected, but or sick yeah. off of Rob's chest or something. And you did. And unfortunately, yeah. what you wrote before that wasn't autocorrected. You sick, sick fuck. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Okay. I, what would you like to lick off of Rob's chest, Kerwin? Right past that. Yes. Kerwin's uh, list also comes with um, reasons for it. Oh shit. So. Oh, there, okay. Uh, I, I think he wants to go in a reverse order. Yes. So. So coming in at number five, things that Kerwin would like to lick off of Rob's chest. Wow. High West Whiskey's campfire. That's for mm. the mood. Yeah, that would go very Number well four, to keep the adrenaline high, oh, we have Mio Energy Squirts. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Keeping me high. It's going to stain your chest. It's number three, to heat things up, we have Professor Fart Pounder's Colon Cleaner Hot Sauce. Mmm. <laughs> That's a Fart P-H-A-R-D-T Pounder, by the way. To cool it back down, we've got Mediterranean Mint Gelato, which is like <laughs> his favorite thing in the world. At that at that point, it would just turn to water and melt off the chest. And number one is Rob's very own frosting. Ah, uh, Rob's famous frosting. Rob frosting. And number one. Kerwin, my number will be in the in the comments below. Thank you oh, so God. much, Kerwin, for adding some levity. To our conversation. Did he make? Did he have a monster? No, he thought this was much funnier, and I think it was. It was much funnier, but he actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to monster costumes. Yeah, he sure does. No, he did not. But uh, well, I, he... I learned my lesson to not be a dipshit in the chat because uh, that dude will that... pick it up and run with it. Yeah, and I have uh, it has ruined all of those foods for me. He cracks me up. Well, and eventually, at some point, for anybody who is interested. We will be opening up, opening up the chat to select groups of people. Yeah, we we're future. thinking about doing a Patreon. We've 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 talked about it. We just have to figure out the logistics behind doing a Patreon. But it, we definitely know it will involve entrance to our super fun chat room where yeah. we talk about all this fun stuff and uh, and it, probably being able to uh, request mo movies and offer up other things. So mm -hmm. just keep an eye out for that. It's going to be soon. Eye out for some as soon as we get off our butts. That's Cool. What's next, Rob? Well, I've got two movies that I'm considering. Would you like to do another monster movie? Or would you like to do some Rowdy Rowdy Piper action? Ooh. See, the problem with some of these movies is that good movies make for bad podcasts. Bad movies occasionally make for good podcasts. The past two bad movies have made for great podcasts. Uh, so what what is what would the monster movie be? The monster movie would be, assuming we can find it, 1980s Alligator. <laughs> that sounds amazingly bad. I think we should do that. I think we should. Then we will save They Live for another time. Yeah. I think we should save They Live for its very own episode. Yeah. Probably a good idea. That is a gem. 
freaking gorgeous movie. Anyway, if you would like to weigh in on what you would like to see us do, if you, if there's anything I thought you he was going like to say, what you would like to lick off Rob's chest. <laughs> if you want to weigh in on what you want to lick off my chest, you can reach out to us at the Give Me Five Podcast. Wait, is it the Give Me Five Podcast? No. At Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. Please, guys, help us out. Leave a review. You don't necessarily need to say what you want to lick off my chest in the review, but, you know, maybe it'll help. I don't know. And as always, you can buy all of your sweet Give Me Five podcast branded merch at our store, either linked from our website, GiveMeFivePodcast.com, or going to GiveMeFivePodcast.threadless.com. Excellent. Very good. And thank you for listening, and I'm sorry. Good morning, good afternoon, and fuck you, Cincinnati.